Welcome back to yet another episode of the Court in the Field podcast. Joined here today by my right hand, my old reliable, Sean Flan. How you doing today, Sean? CJ, I'm good. You know, just another day in, in, in the life of Sean Flannery, which is not extremely exciting, but another day nonetheless. How are you? I'm all good, man. I'm all good. <laughs> uh, uh, interesting Super Bowl we just watched. Uh, a lot of dominance on both sides of the ball. And uh, as a, a guy who's not necessarily a Bengals fan because uh, I can't, I don't want to root for little brother Cincinnati that well. I was happy to see Los Angeles get it done, but you're in Cincinnati. So what was the vibe like this past Sunday? So I had a lot of, a lot of Bengals fans throughout the entire year telling me how much better they are than the Browns. And obviously the Browns went two and zero against them. So I was always saying the Browns are better regardless of what the record said until they made the Super Bowls when I had to admit the Bengals are a little bit better, but no, it was, it was pretty cool. I, I mean, the city was all downtown. Everybody was downtown. I stayed away from that. Um, but it was pretty cool. A lot of the people I work with here, they're all Bengals fans. Uh, like you said, I wasn't necessarily rooting for the, the Bengals, but, you know, living in Cincinnati right now, I think that would have been pretty cool to, to witness a championship um, while I'm living here. But um, the game itself didn't disappoint at all. I mean, the game itself was amazing. And Joe Burrow is the real deal. And, you know, this just leads me back to Baker Mayfield. <laughs> I, I feel like I got to shut up when I bring that, when, when I think about it, because I can talk for days on end on how, on how bad he is, but go Bengals. <laughs> I think it's the same way with you, with the Bengals, that is, as, as it is with me with the Bills. I'm not a Bills fan, but um, being a city over in Rochester, it's, it's, it's kind of cool to see the Bills do good things. And it's a, it's a better vibe when they are doing their thing. And I will say, like, a lot of, like, a couple people ask me, like, are you going to be rooting for the Bengals, the Rams, like, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, I, I'm rooting for a good game. Like, I am a Browns fan. I don't, like, I'm, Bengals win, that's cool. The Rams win, I mean, good for them. But, like, I'm not rooting for anybody in that in that situation. I was the same way as you, except for my pockets. They told me to um, <laughs> rock with uh, Aaron Donald, so I had to, <laughs> I came through. Pockets are a little heavier this time. Wallace got a little fatter, but uh, we can get sprinkles on the ice cream instead of just. Uh, just <laughs> but yeah, uh, we have a, we had a great uh, conversation today with our guest uh, Derek Nichols. He's a childhood friend of ours. Um, he uh, he's currently in the basketball state space working with the Cavs, and he's he's expanding his brand just like us. Great dude, very knowledgeable dude. He's not really with the hot take business or anything. Trying to just like catching those type of angles or brands. He's just genuinely a good guy. And he provided some good insight on the NBA this year, the Cavs, who he works with and, and seeing how they're doing this year and how they surprise the entire league and all of professional sports, I guess you can say. And uh, it's a great conversation and you'll be hearing from it shortly after this commercial break. Welcome back. We are joined here with a, a childhood friend of mine, a homie. He's, uh, he's in this media space. He's trying to do it. He's big in this basketball space. I guess you can say he's a, Knowledgeable, savvy of the game. He's working with the Cavs a little bit. Derek Nichols, he's from the land, Cleveland. So, you know, we got a lot of talent on and off the court. How you doing, Derek? Doing good. How about yourself? Man, it's a pleasure to have you on, man. I mean, you're a, a bright mind on Twitter. You always be talking shop. Uh, I encourage all y'all to follow him. He always got some good Cavs, uh, Cavs nuggets going on. So uh, I guess the first thing that I want to talk about is, like, what do you do and, um, and, and what is your goals in, in, in terms of that? Uh, so right now I work for Cavs Youth Sports. So Cavs Youth Sports, every NBA team has a youth sports program and basically work with kids around the city, making sure we're working on player development, 
private training sessions, kids camps and community outreach. So just trying to give back to the youth. Got you, got you. And like, what's some of your long-term goals in terms of working in this space? Uh, so long-term goals, I'd say keep on working with the Cavs, but instead of Cavs youth, just keep on moving up, building my resume and move on with the Cavs. And if the Cavs don't come, then, you know, just working for another NBA team. But since I've been a kid, it's always been Cavs and working for them. Gotcha. So like being in like the coaching space or trying to be in the coaching space as what I'm trying to do right now is, is that kind of something that you want to look, look to do down the road or is it kind of, you know, take it step by step right now? I'm taking it step by step, but I do see in the future, I kind of want to go into like player development. Uh, I feel like while I was in high school, I wasn't the best player and I didn't really watch film all the time. But after I graduated, I kind of, you know, dove into some film and started seeing everything that players do and all the little stuff. So just trying to break that down and uh, help develop somebody. I like it. I, I think nowadays, especially with social media and stuff, you're seeing a lot of the, the personal trainers, the even development guys for NBA guys, NBA teams like, you know, Phil Handy, I think I think probably all of us know who that is by now. But, you know, he's all over social media. A ton of people know what he does. And obviously it pays off because he's got plenty of rings and he's always uh, he's been successful doing what he does. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think one of my favorites is either Phil Handy or Rico Hines. Rico Hines has done a lot of work with the Kings and uh, Halliburton, which is one of my favorite young players in the league right now. Perfect transition. I mean, obviously, <laughs> and, uh, and man, I mean, I think this, they're clearly the best storyline in, in not just the NBA, but I think in, in sports, I guess you can say, coming from the third overall pick to literally the third seed in the East right now. I mean, even the most avid Cavs fan, I'm sure maybe didn't expect this as soon as it, as it has transpired. But as someone who, you know, uh, works with the Cavs and and you kind of like are, are a little bit more keen and close closer to what's been going on over the past couple of years, just what are your thoughts on their development and how they're doing this year? Man, I can't lie. It, it was a huge surprise to me. Like, I mean, I've seen it coming, but this soon, like after drafting Mobley, and just getting this much better. We won, what, 22 or 23 games last year. Before that, it was 19 games. And then 2019, um, yeah, 2018, it was 19 games again, uh, post-LeBron era. So saying that we'd be sitting here, sitting at 30-plus uh, wins right now, going into All-Star break is ridiculous. Um, at the beginning of the season, it kind of felt like just this feel-good story. But as time went on, we started hitting these, um, beating these heavy hitters in the East. Uh, guys at ESPN started taking notice and you hear us on first take ESPN every day now. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, like, I think you said it perfectly, like in the beginning of the year, like it was, it was a cool story, but to maintain it throughout an hour by like a third of the way through this season, um, we're basically secured a lot a playoff spot at this point. I think we're second or third, third in the East right now, but uh, in that tight race, but what do you think is the ceiling right now for this Cavs team going into the playoffs? Ceiling. So after everything we've been through, after this first half of the season, I say we are almost guaranteed to make it out the first round. I say whoever we play feel like we're going to have that advantage first round and then end up playing uh, a battle tested team and probably take it to six or five games uh, and going their way. And I only say going the opposing team's way just because we're not experienced yet. Um, obviously, I can speak more on it once we get to that point. But as of right now, definitely see out of first round. Then we'll be getting into a dogfight from there. That's just wild to even say, like, getting out of the first round and, like, no one look at you crazy. 
And, <laughs> and considering what this team has been through over the past three to four years, like you said, the post-LeBron era, it's it's a marvel to see how quickly the transition has been. Because I know that it's been like a, a long, uh, I guess, three to four years. But we were still awful last year. It isn't like it's been some like steady climb. It, it was shines of light a little bit along the way but nothing where you can like determinedly say okay we're taking off now yet garland has come into one of the best players in the league i mean me and derek talked about it a little bit on twitter i mean he's up for at least an all nba spot i mean he's playing his, his ass off mobley i mean rookie of the year conversation if not the winner second i mean it's been an amazing story and the fact that is is Mid-February, and the Cavs are third in the East. Still shocks me. Absolutely. I agree. I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with the – we'll talk about later the parity that's going on within the, the entire NBA. But, you know, you see the Nets kind of falling off with injuries and uh, the Bucks having a good season, the Bulls coming on strong, the Sixers. But, you know, injuries and stuff play a part of it. But I think, like you said, it was just kind of out of nowhere that these – you know, the teams start to gel or the Cavs start to gel together. And, you know, now we have two all-stars with Jared Allen going to the all-star game this weekend. Uh, I think it's pretty cool to see, uh, you know, not only this season, but where we could be headed to in the future and in the, in the, in the next year. Shout out to JB Biggerstaff, by the way. Shout out to my dog. Yeah, John Blair. Hey, so I want to – the Karis LeVert trades, we could talk a little bit more trading too and, and Cavs and all, but the Karis LeVert trade, your guys' opinion on that because – you know, going into the trade deadline, I think a lot of us knew the Cavs would make a move, whether it was big, like the Karras uh, trade ended up being, or, or smaller. But um, what are your guys' opinions on acquiring him and honestly getting him for next to nothing? Uh, so I'd say it was a little confusing at first because probably two weeks before the trade was done, I was hearing a bunch of Karras LeVert. And I mean, I love the idea, but I didn't know what the asking price was. It became such a big trade just because – of what the Pacers got in return. Like I wasn't expecting the asking price to be, you know, that reasonable or that low for them because they got an expiring contract. Um, they got a 2022 lottery protected pick uh, uh, first round. And then they got two 2022 second round picks along with um, a 2027 second round pick. So it was just picks that we probably weren't gonna use or picks that weren't gonna give us a player that Karras is now, especially with him being relatively young he fits our timeline and everything that we needed, especially with Rubio and Sexton being out. So it was just the perfect fit. And with Rubio being an expiring uh, contract, he can even come back next season. So that's still not ruled out. I think it was perfect. I love the trade. And I think we're seeing this a little bit with a lot of NBA teams around the league that are going younger. I mean, obviously the NBA is going younger across the board. I mean, the, the days of the OGs on the bench and the, and the old heads are kind of going by the wayside. I mean, I don't think it has them soon enough for the <laughs> – so, I mean, <laughs> those type of guys are kind of um, becoming extinct. But also, I, I think what's kind of underrated is the fact that you can kind of – you can have too many young guys. And what I mean by that is the Cavs already have Sexton, Mobley, um, Garland, uh, uh, Allen, um, the guy who I love so much, Derek, um, your boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Our wing that we got from Auburn. Uh, Isaac Akuro. Isaac Curl, yes. I'm mad at his name. Uh, his name. But, <laughs> that forgettable to you, man. <laughs> but, but the fact is, what was another rookie going to do for that? Like, we already kind of have a set foundation. So me giving up the first round pick this year doesn't really move me or dissuade me in any way because we already have a foundation. So for me, I love the trade. 
Um, he's he still has two years left on his deal, so if it doesn't work out, we can always move him for something else. It, um, I, I love it. I mean, I think everyone kind of saw that we needed some wing depth, and we got that. I agree. I think it was the, just the ideal situation for the Cavs, just because he helps now, but like you said, he's also young enough to where he could be a part of the plan going forward. You know, we're keeping Garland, Mobley, Allen, and hopefully now Karras. You know, you never know with Sexton, Markin, and whatever. But he's young enough to where, you know, he could be a part of the future plan. And, you know, these guys stick together, continue to grow. You know, we could be once, you know, next year, future comes up, and we could be one of those, the Bucks, the, the Nets that people are talking about going into the season next year. Uh, for, for sure, for sure. And talking about trades, uh, this trade deadline had a plethora of trades, big and small. Obviously, there was a blockbuster one with dealing with the, the Nets in, the, um, in, in Philly. So I guess we got to talk about that one. Derek, what are your thoughts on what's going what went on in uh, between Harden and Ben Simmons? So this is something I did not see coming. There's just been talk between Woj and Shams on Twitter for months. Oh, Ben Simmons, you know, would prefer going to Brooklyn. James Harden doesn't want to be in Brooklyn anymore. It was all drama until the actual trade day or trade deadline. And I can honestly say that was the best thing that ever happened to the league this year. Like that, that was amazing. Like the fact that there's going to be so much animosity built up March 10th in uh, Philadelphia. And if Ben Simmons is playing, it's going to be the most hostile environment we ever seen. How great, how great would uh, a seven-game series be with those two teams? I think it's going to be wonderful. Hopefully Kyrie, you know, he doesn't have to get vaxxed. Uh, hey, <laughs> he doesn't want to get vaxxed, he doesn't have to. But hopefully we see a lot of Kyrie Irving in that series. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, for someone like myself, uh, I wouldn't say I was the biggest Ben Simmons fan um, previous to this year, but I will be a realist when I say that if he's right in the right mental space, because clearly what he's been going on over the past two years is bigger than ball. So I'm not going to ever diminish that like at all. I think it was anybody who is reasonable whatsoever understands that Ben Simmons had some stuff that was beyond the court. So I hope first and foremost that he's right in, in the right mental space. But the only issue that I have with anything, and I don't think the more I think about it, it will be considering that he's been away from the game as long as he has is that the fact that he really loves being involved and loves having the ball in his hands. And I think the two guys in the, in the league who I will want the ball in their hands the most is Kyrie and, and KD. I'm sure they'll figure that out and smooth it out because as me and Flans talk about it all the time, Ben Simmons is literally an A-plus at everything. I mean, passing the, um, his IQ, defensive end of the floor, how he can switch and guard any position. It's just that he's a literal F at, at shooting. So as long as he can um, just buy into the fact that I can be a, a, a Draymond Green on steroids. Ooh, good luck. Yeah, and I think I think you guys said like it's a win-win almost for for both of them. Like the Sixers give up I, essentially Seth Curry and Andre Drummond and get back James Harden, who is one of the best players in the NBA right now, regardless of what you may think. But and then on the flip side, the Nets, you know, don't have KD right now. Kyrie plays half the games. So they get Seth Curry, Drummond, who not only will help them out when their team is healthy and on, on the court, their, their entire team, I should say, but for now, for winning the games, to even get them into the playoffs or the play-in, wherever they may end up, um, I think it's a great trade for both of them. I hope that we see Ben Simmons, you know, sooner rather than later, because I think it's going to take time for him. You can't just throw him in there in the playoffs again, especially like we've talked about his mental state, whatever it may be you can't just throw them into a seven game series, you know, these grown ass men in the NBA and the fans and everybody, they're going to be talking to them. They're going to, people are going to be saying stuff. 
And, you know, I, I don't know how that'll go over with him, but you got to get him out there and play. But I think the most interesting thing to say to, to see, and CJ and I talked about this previously is, you know, what is Ben Simmons role going to be, you know, for, for the Nets? Like it, it's going to be hard to take the ball out of Kyrie and KD's hands, but for him, he's not a spot up shooter, obviously. So is he going to be setting screens? Is he going to be cutting? Like, what is he, what, what's, what role is he going to play off the ball? Or are you going to see a lot of him with the ball? Because then it's just, well, KD, Kyrie, you know, they don't have the ball. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic, but I think, um, you know, Steve Nash, whatever, the Nets will figure it out, obviously, but a great trade, almost like a win-win for both teams. A hundred percent. And uh, obviously there was a bunch of trades. So Flan what was another trade. Oh yeah. The one that, the one that I thought was interesting, unique, these, the, the, the Kings, almost like the Browns of the NBA, the Sacramento Kings can never get it right. But uh, what they traded, they got Sabonis and I don't even know who else they got, but I just saw Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heal, Tristan Thompson going to the, going to the Pacers for, for Sabonis where as if I'm a Kings fan, I have no idea what the hell they're like, what we're doing. You know, we're giving up our future or probably our best. I mean, De'Aaron, they, they picked De'Aaron Fox over, over Halliburton. And uh, I mean, it's a head scratcher when you look at the stats and stuff like that, but Halliburton or the Pacers uh, knock, knock it out of the park with this one. I think they have a good young core now and it gives them interesting pieces moving forward. Kind of like the Cavs, like they have Miles Turner, they have Buddy Heald, what are they going to do with them? They have, you know, Duarte, who seems to be a pretty solid rookie that they're going to build on for, for years to come. And obviously Halliburton now too. So it's kind of an interesting team when you think about it, but I just, I still can't understand what the Kings are thinking from, from an organizational standpoint. Like, what, what do you do now? Like you, you just added a DeMontis Sabonis who he's a good player. He was an all-star or whatever, but he's not today's NBA type player. And Tyrese Halliburton is, and he's a good player and will be an all-star in the future. So that was just a head scratcher, but obviously a good move by the Pacers makes the East even better and moving forward down the line, even more stacked. So a head scratcher, but good trade for the Pacers. <laughs> it, the trade confused me for the simple fact it was like a win now move for a team that's 13th in the West. Like where, where are you going from here? Like what's right. the, are we, are we just shooting for the plan? Oh. Okay, you but can't even, you can't even necessarily say a win now. Like, a win <laughs> now is like if you were to trade all that for Embiid, but like, <laughs> bonus, like, it's not knocking Sabonis. He's a great player, but it's like you gave up everything. Like, all right, yeah, we're going to take over right now. We got De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis. So let's try and get in the play in. Like, no, <laughs> I don't know what's going on over there. At this point, I think they're just happy to have a team. Like, <laughs> California, they're just trying to make some money. They don't care. Hey, do you? Whatever keeps the lights on. But I just know I wouldn't have done it. Yeah, you, you said it perfectly, man. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna need some um some thought process on what went on in those negotiations because it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, a, a trade that did make sense for me it was uh, another trade that took place uh, in the East. I got the East a little bit better. Is Derek White going out to 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 Boston and and it won't necessarily be a move that's gonna uh, vault them to title contending team because I still think they're missing the biggest issue that they don't really move the ball well they still haven't really found that guy who can help them do that at the point guard position but they might not be able to do that but what they can do is play defense with just about anybody in the league I mean they're closing five with Derek White uh, Marcus Smart Jalen Brown um, Jason Tatum and obviously whatever Robert Williams or Al Horford 
they're not deep whatsoever. I mean, they might run seven or eight, and, and that's being generous considering what you think about Peyton Pritchard. But they might not be able to go deep, but in the playoffs where, you know, you might not go as deep into your bench as you would like to, they've won eight in a row, 10 out of the uh, last 11. It's a team that's looking scary of late. They seem to be buying in on that end of the floor with the new head coach. It's a team that I wouldn't want to play in the postseason considering the fact that they're going to make it very difficult to um, – to score on and then JB and, and, and JT are is, is about as good as it gets as a, as a duo. So it's a scary team. They obviously still have a huge hole at the point guard position, but they got much better at the trade deadline. For sure. Absolutely. No, and I think I, you think about the playoffs. I think you hit it on the head talking about you don't want to play the Celtics in the playoffs. Like there's multiple, a bunch of other matchups you'd rather have, but when it comes down to it, playoff basketball is all about personnel and, and personal matchups. Like we were going up against, and, you know, adding another length, uh, lengthy wing defender, three three and D guy like Derek White, you can put it on the floor a little bit, but like you said, they're still missing the, the primary ball handler. You know, if you get a Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, who's 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 on for four, five, six games uh, throughout a playoff stretch, like they're going to be a team that's going to be a tough out and they match up well with with almost anybody in the East, um, especially. I mean, I think it's interesting for them with. With now Drummond going to the Nets, I think that helps the, the Nets matching up with Embiid and the Sixers. But Horford has always been kind of a, a tough-nosed defensive guy. Robert Williams is solid defensively. I think, you know, those two teams could give the Sixers some fits, uh, you know, going down the stretch here and in, into the playoffs. The type of basketball that the Celtics are playing right now, it shows that there's a lot of potential there. And I mean, like, going deep in the playoffs, like, at this point, the type of basketball they're playing, if you're able to beat them in a seven-game series, you you actually beat them. They didn't beat themselves like they were doing at the beginning of the season. You deserve that win because they're not just laying down on defense. They're making everything difficult on offense. You can get a bucket from JT or JB, and it's going to be almost automatic. Those guys can go off for 30-plus every night, so you got to watch out. It'd be a fun, a fun, uh, fun playoffs for sure, but – I think we need to um, – we're at the halfway mark, and there's been a lot of basketball – well, I guess not even the halfway mark. We're at the all-star break, but more than way, more than halfway through the NBA season. Uh, what are some of the teams, I guess, starting off with the surprises? What is the team or player that has kind of uh, took you by the wayside a little bit? Eric, you go ahead. Um, right, I was going to take this one over. I personally think – I don't know if you guys agree. I think everybody might agree with this, but it's going to be the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, the Grizzlies – they're that team, just like the Cavs. I was like, all right, they got some young pieces. Um, they can make, you know, a couple, a run at a couple games and have a little win streak, but I did not see this coming. They have some straight dogs on that team. And every time you turn on a Grizzlies game, it's always showtime. You always see a fast break. You see guys moving the ball. Everybody's touching it, clapping for each other. That's real team basketball. And their team, I think, can make a serious run in the playoffs and be some battle-tested guys and be scary for a couple of years from now. Yeah, and I think the thing that's – they're also the team that surprised me this year. And uh, to, to add on to that a little bit, what's scary about them is both fast and slow it down in the half court and make it a dog fight. Obviously, John Morant, one of the best uh, young guys in the league, he's explosive as hell and jump out the damn gym. So, obviously, he's great in, in, in transition. But he's also really, really good with the herky-jerky stuff that he can do off the pick-and-roll. And then Dylan Brooks, who I can't stand, but the reason I can't stand him is because he has the greenest of lights and the most confidence out of any non-superstar player I've ever seen. And when it comes playoff time, when you need a guy who 
who has some cojones and wants to hit a shot, that's Dylan Brooks, and he can do that. And then I guess the player who took everyone by the wayside, and for someone like me who doesn't watch college ball, Desmond Bay out of TCU has literally, I mean, forget a 3 and D role. He's become a legit role player who's doing his job at a high, high level. For someone like who's a Warrior, a Steph fan like myself, that's a team I don't want to see, and they could easily go to the Western Conference Finals, and I have – I don't say that with any reservation whatsoever. I got Desmond Bain for my most improved. So far, guys want to, you know, throw their guys out there. Obviously, I want to put Garland in the race. He's in there, but Desmond Bain has shown that he can handle it. I like it. And I think you have to start to think about John Morant. Now is probably in that top echelon of, of guards or point guards. Like the, the Steph, Luca, him, uh, Trey. Trey like that's probably it, right? Like, I mean, CP3, but I mean, he's uh, yeah, not, right, right now, right now, maybe not. Maybe not. But, you know, but he's a dude, he's like just, but like they have a guy that can take over a series now and, and they have other guys on their team that will contribute in a, in a positive way, offensively and defensively, which I think makes them unique. Like you said, you could, you could run fat, you could play fast, run, transition, whatever, but in the playoffs when it's a lot of half court stuff, they can still compete with whoever. A hundred percent. So who do you, who else is, who has surprised you this year in the league? I'm going with the bulls. I think, I think we could all say the Grizzlies, the Cavs. Um, those, those are obvious bulls also could be another obvious team uh, that did kind of their acquisitions through free agency. When, you know, they signed DeMar, uh, a lot of people like, thought it was maybe a head scratching move. The Lakers didn't sign him or didn't make a move to get him that, you know, now they're kicking themselves for, for doing, for not doing it. And, you know, they're number two in the East and in the East is separated by only a couple games up near the top, but they're a team that, you know, string some wins together towards the end. They have a closer in DeMar. They have Zach Levine, who's good. Get Caruso back. Vucevic, who's another uh, uh, all-star. I mean, they have a lot of depth and a lot of players and talent on that roster to, to almost match up with anybody. So it'll, it'll be interesting because they don't have the three point shooting that some of these other teams have, but they have a star and a closer on their team. So that in the playoffs, that's really all you can ask for. They've been missing Lonzo for a while, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What that impresses me the most about them, they've had a bunch of injuries. They lost Patrick Williams, their star wing defender, within the first five games of the season. Um, Levine has has had some knee issues over the past month, so he's not been up to speed as, as much as he'd like to be. Caruso, Lonzo. I mean, I mean, Ayo, shout out to uh, – or Ayo from uh, Illinois. He's been stepping up huge. Kobe White has kind of realized he may not be a starting guard, but he's relished in his role off the bench and, and it's given them consistent minutes. That's the team once again. I mean, we said this about a bunch of teams, which speaks to the parity in the league this year. They get hot. They got the personnel to definitely make some noise. Although it's been a great NBA season in terms of surprises and things that have kind of uh, shocked us a little bit, there's also been a couple of things that have kind of uh, shocked us in another way and, and disappointment. And for me, that has to be the Atlanta Hawks. I've been a big Trey Young guy since he was back in his AAU days. Shout out to him and Michael Porter turning up the AAU, uh, turn up the AAU scene. I love this game. Obviously, I'm a big Steph guy, so if you can shoot and you short and you can um, pass the pill a little bit, you always be in my uh, fall in my favor a little bit. But they haven't had the year that they I thought that they would have this year. I know they've had some injuries on the wing, um, and but they just haven't taken that step I thought they would. And the main reason is they suck defensively. I mean, they're just awful. <laughs> Uh, and I know Trey isn't the best defender. I get that. But it's not just him. I mean, 
I know DeAndre Hunter is in and out of the lineup, and he's supposed to be their guy who can um, be a multi-positional defender. But, I mean, Herter hasn't done a good job. Bogey hasn't done a good job. Gallinari has dropped down a, a lot this year. Um, John Collins and, and Capella haven't really made – well, Capella hasn't really masked up the defensive deficiencies like I thought he, he could. They've struggled big time. I mean, you look at some of the losses, the losing streaks this year. They've had they've lost five in a row at one point. They lost six in a row at one point, and they lost three at another point. I thought they were going to turn the corner in the mid January. I think they won like seven in a row, and then back on that bullshit, they lost two out of the last seven. It's a team that I want to see do good things. They traded my boy Cam Reddish, and so that they they kind of fell out of uh, my good favors with that. But they can't seem to get right, and it's solely because they can't stop me and it's just an issue that they have going on and I, I hope they rectify it um heading into the postseason they didn't correct me if I'm wrong but they didn't win a home game right until like January was that the stat that I saw I, I believe that's a uh I have, their, I, I have their schedule in front of I me. thought I saw something it, it was probably something on Twitter but I, I believe it was like a month um, over a month without winning at home. Okay. It was something crazy that yeah. you wouldn't believe from a team that you would think would coming into the season might make it <clears throat> at least to the Eastern Conference Championship, especially what they did last year, making it that far. It's just, yeah, I'm just can't stand, I can't stand them right now. Obviously, I'm going to have my stock. Flan knows I got stock in a lot of teams that aren't that great Pelicans, Hawks. <laughs> um, my Warriors stock is looking great, but. I might have to sell some of my off stock because they I'm about to go bankrupt in a minute. It's like it's like crypto's doing me dry right now. The Hawks is doing me the same way. So um I'm gonna need y'all to turn it around. But so a team that's disappointed me, ATL. What about you, D? So a team that's disappointed me, I can't really say it's a huge shocker, but it's gonna have to be the Lakers. When you think of a team with LeBron James on it, you think you instantly think, you know, five and above. They're gonna go into the playoffs and they're going to do work just because of King James, AD, if he stays healthy. Uh, during the offseason, we've seen all these acquisitions of older players and everybody knew what they were getting themselves into. But like I said, LeBron and AD, they can do anything. Now the Russ trade, it wasn't what I thought it was. I, I'm a little hurt because I'm a big Russ fan. You know, he is king of the triple-double, you triple-double goat. But I prefer a one-man band Russ over any other player. Watching him go on that triple-double spree from 2013-2017 to now, even last year with the Wizards, he was putting in work. But now it's like I'm seeing him be a shell of himself, and it hurts me. You know, when you love this player so much and then guys hit you up like, yeah, what's wrong with your boy? And now you <laughs> have no, you kind of got to take that to the chin, but it is what it is. I feel like they've been pretty disappointing, and uh, we're just going to see how they uh, come out on top. So I think it's well known to everybody. I'm not the biggest Russ guy, but I'm going to defend Russ for a second. This team's issues is much bigger than Russ. I mean, you watch yeah. them. They can't stop a cold. I know I just talk about the Hawks defensively. This team sucks defensively. I mean, the night that they lost to the Blazers, Russ wasn't playing, and they let Simons, they let all these other cats – Get loose on them. That ain't got nothing to do with Russ. And I get it. I know they gave up a lot for Russ. I know that their versatility changed, giving up all those contracts for Russ. I get that. And I know that's that's a different debate. Giving up for what they gave for Russ is different than the issues that they have now. They got massive issues on the defensive end of the floor. And I genuinely don't know how you rectify it unless they go crazy on the buyout market. 
I can say Russ is an issue, but that doesn't mean he's the only issue. Now, there are a bunch of other issues within their offense and defense and, you know, coaching staff, general management, whatever you want to go with. You know, there's problems everywhere. Uh, but I will say just because of them getting Russ, they now have zero assets. They're trying to do something before the trade deadline. Who's going to take Russ's contract? Who's going to take um, Austin Reed? Like, obviously, Austin Reed is one of those untouchable players right now. Who's going to take Who's going to take, THC? Who's going to take that? 2020 uh 2027 pick like you just have nothing to work with and now lebron has to sit there and uh think about his actions because we all know he played a part of <laughs> I, love you, bro, but I don't know what you were thinking man i was thinking about this the other day before i talked to the, the plan if you go on the lakers roster right now and you look outside of uh, the top three and you told me that every single player on that team wasn't in the nba at the moment i will believe you <laughs> You told me that Malik Monk wasn't in the league at the moment, and I think Malik Monk is, is, is doing a great job this year, but he wasn't like a big player for the Hornets last year. I would believe you. I'd be like, oh, damn, he took the same route that um, my boy for, uh, for the Knicks uh, had, uh, Alonzo Trier. I'd be like, damn, fell by the wayside just like him. Obviously, I mean, they literally have some guys that were out of the league, like Avery Bradley and, and Stanley Johnson was just at Walmart a couple weeks ago. I mean, it's just nuts. So their issue is they have a bunch of guys who – let alone role players. I don't know if they were if they're legit NBA guys. And I feel bad. I don't like seeing Bron go down like this. Whew, it's going to be ugly. Yeah. I mean, I think it goes to show a little bit of, you know, when we were, I guess, a year, a couple years younger, like these were our guys. This is kind of like the turning the next page, turning a new chapter. Like, okay, we're, we're, we got the new teams coming in. We got the new guys coming in, which is interesting to see. I mean, LeBron is still LeBron. LeBron's going to go out there and, He's going to do his thing. He, he, he's still playing at a high level, a very high level. But these dudes, I mean, I hope they make the playoffs to watch LeBron playing in the playoffs, but there's a 0% chance they're making it out of the first round at this point. Oh, no. They can't stop me. Yeah. I mean, like, it's going to – I'm getting – It's going to take – you're getting something, but it's going to take, like, a different AD and LeBron just doing what he did in 2016. Or even whatever, 2018. We but even in we had NBA guys around him. They mm -hmm. weren't great, but they were NBA guys. Like Rodney Hood is an NBA guy. Jordan Clarkson is an NBA guy. Like these are guys right. who at least can be the third or fourth guy off a of bench. They have guys who weren't in the league. Well, I think it kind of goes to show a little bit too is, you know, the manage. I think the management, you said LeBron has some say in it. Obviously, he has some say, but like what Colby Altman did for LeBron and the Cavs in 2018, 2017, making trades, but still, you know, the Cavs, it's 2022, and the Cavs are in, they're in a much, much better place than the Lakers are right now. The Lakers are going to be screwed for, for years. They're not going to be screwed for us for this year, next year, whatever it may be. Like, they're screwed for a while, unless, you know, that's the Lakers. Some, some dude might come, you know, walk into the door in one of these free agencies, but it just goes to show how hard it is to, Know, stay at a high level or get to a high level and stay at a high level, especially with the contracts and the type of players that are in the NBA today. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a new age NBA, and it's going to be uh, interesting to see how all that shakes out. Let's go a little bit further, though. You said what, Flynn? No, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, yeah and, and going a little bit further, the playoffs. We alluded to it a little bit earlier about the parity and how um, things are going to be exciting down the stretch. It's not really, hasn't really been a team that's been that far ahead of everyone. I guess you can say the Suns have played at a high level, but 
even them, I think that there's maybe some kinks in the armor, so to speak. Um, I guess we'll start in the East. Who is a team that you think um, can make some legit noise and, and come out of that uh, conference? Uh, so I say, obviously, I told you how I feel about the Cavs coming out of the first round. Uh, but there are some scary teams. There's Miami Heat, who they are extremely experienced. A great coach, great organization. They know what they're doing. They always get it right. When they're healthy, scary. Bulls, when they're healthy, very scary, especially what they're doing right now and being number two in the East and not even at full health. That can be an issue. There's us, 76ers, depending on how uh, healthy Harden is, if his hamstrings aren't falling off the bone, that could be, you know, that could be us. That could be, you know, four games, five games their way, and we're out of there. So I feel like it's going to be a straight dog fight in the East. There's even some teams near the bottom, like teams in the play, and we got the Hawks, Hornets, Raptors, and Nets. Raptors are playing elite basketball right now. Nets, they haven't even scratched the surface, talking about their new acquisitions and health. Uh, Hornets and Hawks, I mean, Hornets are a young team. I don't really think they'll go far, but the Hawks, they could pop off at any moment. They got the same roster they had last year. So, I mean, I'm not going to rule them out. So I could really go towards anybody. And when we talk about the West, I kind of ha already have my favorite who I think is going to come out. And I think it's going to be the Suns. The Suns have been the most consistent all year. The Suns have guys who are hungry. They just lost in the finals last year. And I know that still stings. Oh, I didn't even mention Milwaukee on the East, but. <laughs> but that was understood. Don't need to be explained. <laughs> right. So, yeah, no, that's they... how I feel. So, I'm going Suns and then East. It could be anybody in that top six for me. The East is crazy. I think it's going to be – it'll be probably one of the best Eastern Conference playoffs, just series by series, probably in the history. Like, you have – like you alluded to, at least six teams that you could look at right now and be like, okay – they could come out. They could come out. They could, well, there's what about this? They could come out. There's so many teams in the East where every series is going to be a dogfight. It's almost going to be like, okay, at the end in, in the Eastern Conference Finals, which team is healthier? Which team has enough left in the tank? Um, there's just so many good teams. I still think the Bucks are the best team in the East just because of, you know, what they have right now. I think experience is a big part of it and why Miami is doing so well right now and why I think they'll do well in, in the postseason. But uh, Giannis is just, he's on a different level. Adding Serge Ibaka just only adds to their depth, which will be huge. Like I alluded to in the playoffs, playing so many teams and, and probably having these series go a couple more games than you like, but in the West, I, I'm with you on that. I think the Suns, it's theirs to lose at this point, barring anything with, you know, maybe James Wiseman comes back and hopefully Draymond comes back much healthier and, but right now, it's like the Suns are kind of going to walk run away with it a little bit. I mean, the Grizzlies, uh, the Jazz, the the Warriors, you know, they're all there. But I think the Suns are a little bit higher up on that pedestal than, than the rest of them. A hundred percent. And I think the thing, we, we were remiss to talk about Brooklyn in a different light, considering we don't know what's going to happen with the New York rules. I think that conversation completely train, changes if we know what's going to be the rules in terms of vaccine mandates come April and, and May. But at the moment, it's the same and similar, and I just don't know how reliable that team is going to be. Um, on a, I, I guess they play if they play the Raptors, he can't play any of the games. So it's just like it, it's just it's unfortunate based off of that, and I hope that it gets rectified soon. Kyrie's a hell of a ball player, and, I, and the NBA is better when he's on the floor. But that's a, a hell of a team. But for me, 
Uh, I'm going to stick with Milwaukee. I just think that um, if, if the Nets aren't at full strength, I, I just don't know if there's a team that can um, do anything with Giannis on a um, uh, it's just there's no player who can ma- you can throw a body at him and, and just consistently consistently slow him down. Obviously, KD is the same way, but I think they have enough bodies to throw at Embiid, and um, they have enough bodies to throw at Harden. Obviously, not slow those guys down. Those guys are going to get theirs, but I just don't think there's a body type in the NBA to slow down guys like uh, Giannis and a, and, a, and a KD, and without Kyrie, I'm going to lean to Milwaukee. And then in the West, it pains me to say it, but the Suns as well. I just don't think there's enough behind stuff. I love Clay to death. It's like his his comeback story has been amazing. It's, and the NBA is also better when he's out there. But you're asking Jordan Poole or Andrew Wiggins to be that third scoring option. And the NBA has changed totally since 2015 and 16 when you didn't necessarily need that guy. And I love JP. I love the jump that he's made. I, like I was a big Jordan Poole guy coming into the season, but that's still a, just a tall ass in the second and third rounds of the playoffs against an experienced Suns team that has I mean I know they say I have some kinks in the armor but I think the only kink is Drew Holiday to be quite frank with you the CP can't really do anything with him when they uh when they match up and there's no one in the West like Drew Holiday so it's gonna be a hell of a I know we talked about all the parity yet we have the same two teams meeting in the finals but it'll be, <laughs> it'll be a fun postseason even in the West because I know Ty Lue hasn't really said that Kawhi is done for sure but PG hasn't had surgery yet so there's still a possibility he can come back Ty Lue I think we can all say is one of the best coaches in the league. He's one. He's my favorite coach, at least. It's going to be an interesting playoffs for sure. And going back to what you said, I'm sorry to cut you off, but going back to what you said about Giannis, and, you know, you can throw bodies at Embiid, you can throw bodies at other guys, but Giannis, he's one of those guys who's an amazing athlete, a freak of nature, but he has this generational motor, if you say. Like, he, he just doesn't get tired. You're not slowing him down. Like, if you win the game, it was just because he had an off night. And he's not going to have two in a row. He's going to do everything he can offensively, defensively, just to make their life go. It's going to happen. Absolutely. My man's knee was a smoothie in the first couple games of the, of the, of the finals last year. And bro, How do you come back from that? Bro, knee was doing – was looking like that. Bro, it was <laughs> He's but different. Think, bro, he – so, I mean – and I think the NBA is in such great hands. I mean, obviously Giannis and then it's a different playing styles, I guess, from the superstars. That's so amazing to see, obviously LeBron and he's getting up there in age and how he can command the ball with um, command the offense literally at all times, no matter what team he's on. But then Giannis with his brute strength and KD just, just being just smooth as hell deep. But I mean, it's just, the NBA is in great hands. It's going to shake up for a great postseason, And I think that um, we're in, we're in a, in, in for a treat. This year for sure. We I, I go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna say I just looked down and I had to think. We completely forgot about the Nuggets. Yeah, <laughs> like they sleeper teams right there that like nobody's really paying attention to right now. Imagine if MPJ and Jamal Murray decide that they can come back like second half of the season. They're already playing some good basketball right now, but if those two come back healthy. You don't know what can happen, so I'm. Okay. Nope, another dude. You, you, there's no answer for him because if you slow him down when it comes to his scoring ability, he might be the top two passer in the league. So it, he, he's ridiculous. What he does on the floor, like, I mean, I know Giannis is just a freak of nature in his, but like what Jokic does, just watching him play basketball is just, it's satisfying. Giannis dominates. Jokic just controls the game. Like yeah. Giannis, it's hard to stay in front of him. And you got to keep up with him. But Jokic, it's like 
he controls how fast you go. It's and, a great tale to go against him, I imagine. And you and you have to like you look at him and you're like, okay, I'm. I mean, he's seven foot, whatever, but like. He's not over like his his muscles aren't going through his shirt. Like Giannis is a dude that's gonna run through your mouth, run through your face. Jokic is gonna move the ball like crazy, make a pass behind his head, and then somehow end up dunking on you, like or hitting a three, and then talk his shit with his brothers in the in the first row of the stands, ready to back him up too. <laughs> I was just super intimidated the whole game. <laughs> I, I have to. I had to say because we CJ and I were talking about this off air. I feel bad for my guy, Dame Lillard, right now. Because, one, Dame, well, Dame has been one of my favorites, you know, forever. Like, I like Steph. I love LeBron. But Dame has been one of my favorites. And seeing what he did last year in the playoffs, kind of carrying the, the Blazers, and people starting to realize CJ is probably not the number two that they need for them to be good. And then seeing what they're doing in their roster right now. And I don't know what they're going to do with him. I, he's on the back end of his career and his contract is not great for, for the trailblazers, but you know, I, I don't know what they're going to do. I feel bad for the dude because he has been a bucket for years and like his story coming from like a low D one doing what he's done. And you know, he doesn't get all the accolades that he probably should, should, but you know, he's, I mean, he's, he's been a bucket. He is a bucket. And unfortunately for him, he's only got a few more years probably left of, of doing what he does. I will say, Dame, I wasn't a big Dame fan in the past because once he came in the league, there was always Dame and Kyrie debates. And Kyrie, that's one of my favorite point guards ever. So when you put somebody up against Kyrie, I'm like, oh, no, Dame can't do this. Dame can't do that. But shout out to my guy, Mari. Now, Mari was telling me, like, Dame's him. Dame is nice. So I obviously don't watch Trailblazers games. There's a few teams I don't watch, like Trailblazers, uh, Spurs. Madden's. Magic. Yeah, magic. Like, there's just some teams I don't watch. So I decided to watch some Trailblazer games and I realized Dame was the real deal. And then over the past couple of years, I do feel super bad for him because he's balling out, doing everything he can, putting it on the line for his franchise, not running from the grind. And they can't <laughs> act like this. It sucks for him because, like you just said, it's an oxy, it's, it's kind of goes, it's an oxymoron with a lot of this stuff. Everyone hates player mobility and, and um, not everyone, but a lot of people don't like the player empowerment, player mobility, and this, then the third. But no one's crowned. But with Dame struggling this year, and I know he's hurt right now, but no one's over here championing Dame for staying. It's just like, do y'all really like players staying or are y'all just talking on both sides of your mouth? So I feel bad for Dame as well. And I hope that he gets some type of storybook ending because it's looking ugly right now. They only like players who stay if they win a championship. Championship is how everybody is being engaged now. And Giannis basically just broke that narrative. Like, you can't say anything about Giannis because he has an incredible resume, got his money, and played in the city. So it's like, yeah. you, there, you can no longer hate. You can say he doesn't have a bag. Oh, well, he can do everything else, and he's a champion. There we go. There we go. Um, Derek, for every single episode, we always end it with a little rapid fire. Yeah, we, for all of our guests, we bring them on, and we just throw them, throw them some quick questions. So. We're going to ask you some quick questions, five of us from me and Flan each, and just the first thing that comes to your mind. You ready? Yeah, I'm good. All right, for sure. What show you been binge watching right now? Uh, Ozark. Great one. Uh, midnight snack, what are you going for? Uh, peanut butter, jelly, chocolate milk. Great combo. <laughs> Undefeated. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Favorite NFL player growing up? Uh, LT. Favorite team, any sport, any league? 
uh, Cavs, NBA. Uh, wow, man. he's actually might be the best guest we've had so far when it comes to this. He's moving quick. Yeah. <laughs> he's quick. Uh, your three artists you listening to right now, not necessarily favorite, but who the three you listening to? Uh, Gunna Future Drake. Uh, favorite movie of all time? The Dark Knight. Love the Dark Knight. Oh, not to not to go too sidetrack. Dark Knight or Dark Knight Rises? Dark Knight. Dark Knight. Hot take. We're going to that another day. Okay. <laughs> Not a hot take. I'm just saying I love the Dark Knight Rises as well. Uh, <laughs> I'm a big Batman fan, so give me a Batman movie, I'm going to watch it. But Dark Knight, that's <laughs> the game for everybody in the movie industry. Bron or, uh, or MJ? Bron. Cleaver. You, that's fair. You could go anywhere in the world. Where, where would you go? Uh, whew, that's actually a tough one because I don't really. I stumped you. I, I stumped you. I say Italy. Italy. Okay. Italy. Uh, I'll take the last question, uh, Flan. Uh, I'll take the last one. We ask every single guest. There's three. Uh, you got a last dinner. You got three people dead or alive that can come to this dinner. Who you bringing? Dead or alive. Uh, give me. You're good at this. You're good at this. <laughs> uh, there's so many people. Give me LeBron, Michael Jackson, Obama. That might be like the second Obama. Might be the second Obama. I think it is. That might be the first Michael Jackson, though. I kind of like that. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> switch out Jay Z with Obama, but before I said Jay Z, I was thinking of people already roasting me, like, "Oh, dinner with Jay Z or 100K." First one. You probably didn't say Jesus. Everybody wants to talk to Jesus at dinner. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't know what to ask him. <laughs> you might show me eating pork, so I don't know if I could bring him either. But, um, well, it's been a pleasure, Derry, uh, talking to you. Great, uh, great mind. What, what's your Twitter handle so people can uh, follow you on that? Uh, Twitter handle is Derek underscore Nick. So that's D-E-R-I-C underscore N-I-C. My man, he be talking. He funny. He gives great insight. He, 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 he's great with the basketball space, man. He, uh, he got a bright future ahead of him. We all rooting for each other. I think that's the best thing about um, th- uh, these media platforms that, that's going on right now. We all can root for each other because there's not enough um, content. There's not, there's enough content to go around for everybody. So um, I'm happy that you uh, came on. I know we talk every day, but it's good to, uh, to see your face and, and, and talk shop. It's good to tap in with you guys. CJ, talked to you all the time. Good to see your face. Sean, haven't talked to you in a minute, but definitely got to link up, yeah. some, collaborate on something. Uh, before we get out of here, I do want to say one thing. I want to say, you know, I'm glad you guys gave me this platform. Uh, obviously, I have Twitter and social media, but there's not really too many places you can talk real sports with people and, you know, actually get real insight. Everything is turned into, oh, yeah, he nice or, oh, he tough. And there's no type of, you know, breakdown on what's really going on in the game and not just the game, but, you know, everybody surrounding the sport. So I appreciate you, too. My question for you guys at the beginning of this entire interview, you asked me what I want to do with my career, where I wanted to take it. And I just want to ask you guys, where do you see yourself in a couple of years? Where do you want to be in your career? What is your end goal? I'll, I'll start it off. So I, I, I want to do something with basketball. I want to be a coach. Um, I've been around basketball my entire life. And, you know, for me, that's all I really know. And that's something I has been a constant in my life. And I, and I love it. Um, you know, when I, when people keep asking me, like, what am I going to do next or where am I going to go? And, you know, I, I, I just always say, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be coaching somewhere, but I, I don't know where. And, 
And I think the, the underlying theme, the thing that keeps coming back to me is like, I want to be able to, to, to stay in basketball, but also help people. And, you know, what I mean by that is, you know, as a coach, you can do so much X's and O's, you watch so much film, you can do all this great stuff and you could, you could, you could win a lot of games by do it, just doing that. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, are, are, are the players coming back to you? Are they appreciative for what you did for them? Are they learning something while you're there and while they're there, uh, you know, while under, under, under you and under your tutelage. But, you know, for me, it, it's, it's coaching basketball and it's having a positive impact on, uh, on people's lives. And so hopefully, you know, I'd get to that point some way or somehow. And, uh, you know, it's a long journey. It's a long process, as we all know. But, you know, just taking it step by step and doing the best I can day by day. Yeah, I ain't got nothing um, exquisite. And it's perfectly as Flan laid it out. Uh, <laughs> uh, when I always told myself I want to be involved in sports one way, shape or form, whether it was playing professionally, whether it was talking sports or coaching it. And currently right at the moment, I'm in the space of talking it. Uh, I've always been a kid who wouldn't shut the F up when it came to sports. I would be the dude up at 6 a.m. watching all the rerun sports centers. And after, you know, after school, you got the three, the three o'clock slate all the way up until 6 p.m. sports center, um, PTI, around the horn, Jim Rome, all of that. And I always looked up to those guys. Um, told myself if I couldn't be the, the guys playing, I want to be the guys talking about those guys playing. So for me, I don't really have no necessarily um, one specific job title in mind, but I just want to go as far as I can and 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 be and stay genuine to, to who I am the entire way. Because as you alluded to a little bit earlier, Derek, there's a lot of people in this space who um, uh, um, tie themselves to a brand instead of just who they are as a person. So for me, just want to do the best that I can. And hopefully that um, that goes pretty far. Yeah, really appreciate I appreciate you. No, I appreciate you asking. Asking that question because you're not, I mean, you know, we talk to a bunch of people and ask them a bunch of stuff, but you know, not even, I mean, that kind of makes you think a little bit more than just about what we're saying. We're saying here kind of a bigger picture type thing, which is, which is always good to put things into, into perspective. Yeah, definitely felt like asking you guys because, you know, I obviously didn't think anybody would ask you guys any questions, but I just want to know a little more. I know you guys are on a much more personal level, level than probably some of the other guests. Some of the guests may know you, but, you know, I'm kind of, you know, intertwined with CJ for life. Sean, me and you have met multiple times. We've had a little connection. So it's just one of those relationships you're just trying to build right now, just see where your head's at. And I relate, you know, real close to both of you. Like, Sean, you said, you've been around basketball your entire life. I've been around basketball my entire life. You want to give back, I want to give back. I realized when I was playing, I wasn't the best player in the world and I wasn't going to go to the league. But then, you know, now looking at it, I might be able to go to the league not playing it, but I'll be, you know, working for some team, working for some organization. And CJ, I was there with the whole, you know, PTI, Jim Rome, all of that. Like, so I seen the process. And I know exactly where you're coming from. It's just something you can't lose, something you can't get rid of. So sports has been close to my heart, and I want to keep it that way. For sure, for sure. And real is real. And obviously, um, you're one of those. So hopefully that you stay true to yourself. I know you will stay true to yourself throughout this entire process. Hopefully, the viewers at home appreciate this podcast, not just the content that we provided them, but hopefully a little insight on who we are as people. Um, but until then, that's Derek Nichols. Shout out to my man. Follow him on Twitter. And y'all have a blessed day.